0: Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Gittimer.
1: And I'm your host, Jen Gittimer. Well, in this podcast,
0: we're going to help you attract more qualified, unbelievable, ready-to-buy
1: clients. We're going to help you build loyal relationships. And the one thing you're hoping for, close more deals. Let's get into it. It's time to sell or die. Welcome back to Sell or Die. Die
0: Art, we have a tremendous guest today. He is not only an expert in sales and marketing, he is an expert in coaching and he's from Philly. And so you have to take all of those things and put them in the same hopper because people from Philly start out with an intellectual advantage over the rest of the world. And then how they convey that is going to determine how successful they become. But the foundation, the foundation of David uh, Newman's intelligence comes from the heart of downtown Philadelphia. Never forget that as we're intellectualizing here. Now he lives in the main line now, uh, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't understand Center City. And I think that's a very important part of the process. We, we talked about famous delicatessen, but we could have just as easily talked about the Reading Terminal. We're good, we're phenomenal, we're, we're foundational. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the great David Newman. Thank you, the King and the Queen. Uh, you, you didn't mention Bald. Bald
2: is another asset that we have here.
0: It's interesting. We could potentially look at doing this. I'm doing a seminar in May with Monty Wyatt, who is arguably the most successful of the action coaches ever. And we're doing a seminar in Des Moines, his city, and we're calling it Bald Ideas.
2: Very nice.
0: In the meantime, David has a new book out. Can you talk about it just a little bit? So it's
2: called Do It Selling. I wrote it for myself circa 2003. Now, funny story. I don't think you and I ever talked about this, but I came to your Philly public seminar in 2003 at the 12 Caesars, which is no longer 12 Caesars. They've put something else there now. And I remember it was like 500 people in this big ass ballroom. And one of the opening exercises was turn to your neighbor, take out your business card, tell them what you do, if you understood what they said, keep their card and say thank you. If you had no idea what the hell they said, tear their card in half and give it back to them. So this woman sitting next to me, she says, I sell insurance. I get it. It's boring. No problem. I say, okay, great. I hand her my card and I some crazy nonsense comes out of my mouth. And she has this puzzled look and she's like, she has no idea what I just said. And she tears. She 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 just she says to me, "I am so sorry." Tears the card (laughs) in half, hands it back to me, and I'm like, "Wow, okay, I better sit down and learn from this Gittimer guy because I'm already screwed here at step one." So so from that, that was me in 2003. So in addition to all of your fantastic sales books, both of you. I decided to write a sales book for David Newman circa 2003, meaning really smart guy, something to say, something to sell, didn't know the first two things about effective selling, articulation, distinction, lead generation, prospecting, positioning, packaging, negotiating, closing, none of that. I mean, I couldn't, it's the old cliche, I couldn't close the door. I literally could not close the door. When I started this business 20 years ago, so it's almost like the Denzel Washington, right? This is the sales book. Explain it to me like I'm a seven-year-old. And, you know, what sales is and what sales isn't, what a sales process is.
1: Mm-hmm, oh, my mm-hmm. God. There's
2: like there's like a, a method to the madness. And then, you know, for people who love the work of the work and they just hate the sales part, this is why I wrote the book.
0: That's a great incentive. And- I also know we had a little bit of a, a previous conversation diehard who the book is geared for. It is not geared for the guy who's out making cold calls trying to sell fasteners for machines. It's for someone who's dealing with a professional services person, either buying or selling.
2: Yes, absolutely. So it's for the professional services seller, usually solo, but also maybe a small firm, consultant, trainer, attorney engineer, architect, someone who really sells their time and talent. And sometimes if you're a solo consultant or coach or trusted advisor, you are selling yourself. So now there's a whole layer of ego and imposter syndrome. And why do I have to do this? I'm so good at the work of the work. Shouldn't they just come to me? Shouldn't word of mouth this is what drives me crazy. I'm sure you have a take on this too. I don't do any selling, Jeffrey. I don't do any selling, Jen. My clients come to me by word of mouth. <laughs> my client. I have a referral only business. I don't need to sell, and I look at that person like they're a moron. What do you guys think about that when you hear that?
1: Yeah, this too is my specialty. I help service based business owners, and I remember back in the day, like 2000 and seven or eight. Oh uh, my God. Dude, no, that's so no, I was selling in diapers. To, 2013-ish. Sorry. 2013-ish. I was working with a owner of a um, cake business. She made specialty cakes and she's like, guess what? I just did the coolest thing ever. What? I am leasing a storefront. Oh, okay. So how are you going to get people to come to your storefront? What's the, what's the plan? She's like, no, no, it'll be storefront. So they're just going to come in. <laughs> if and you build it, I, they will
0: come. There's a movie right. about that.
1: And and I, I think that there's this concept, especially for services based business owners where you're like, I'm an architect. People need to know how great my, my design is and how great I can do this. So they, they'll just come like I'll open up shop and it's, It's not really how it works. She quickly learned that having a storefront in the middle of Manhattan on 30-something Street did not mean that people would come in. They might just walk by. They should have had on
0: 40-something Street. It's a busier
2: neighborhood. It's (laughs) the same Um, thing. It's the same thing with books, right? People say, oh, my book's going to be on Amazon. And Amazon gets millions and millions and millions of hits every single minute. So just because my book is on Amazon, people will find it and buy it. And then the reviews will come in and I'll be a bestseller. And it's like, nope, crickets, tumbleweeds going down the main street with the Western. You're at the saloon. The doors sound like this.
1: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: Tumbleweed, so- nothing, nothing happens on Amazon. Nothing happens on main street. Nothing happens yes. in your business until you learn how to sell. And again, I'm, or, I'm preaching this to myself.
1: Yeah. yeah. Sell, yeah or so
0: promote. How- sell or promote. Or sell, promote, actually, or surprise. Uh, I'm going to give you a real world example for, for your readers, David. Yeah. We Same have it. a customer who has to sell to architects and they have a very s- smart, it's a very architecturally oriented glass wall. And I asked the customer in their seminar, how many of you have read The Fountainhead? And the answer is, no one. I said, well, that's a book that every architect has read and studied. It's a book about Frank Lloyd Wright. It's a book about a person who I identified for with for years, Howard Rourke. And he was just a, and the anti-guy, but very successful. And it's a book about doing the right thing, saying the right thing, and having integrity and, and sticking to your own guns. Okay. I said, well, here's the deal. Here's my idea for you. The opening line of this book is is as famous as who is John Gall. The opening line is Howard Rourke laughed. And I went online and I found a mug with Howard Rourke laughed on it. And so I gave that to all of the salespeople. And I said, send this to your architect with a box of K-Cups of their favorite coffee, not yours, and you will get a meeting 100% of the time. It has nothing to do with who you are. It has nothing to do with what you've done. It has everything to do with what you're trying to convey a message that you know about them
2: totally so let me share i i talk about this a little bit in the do it selling book about really knowing your prospects and the analogy that i share is there was a detective show and these two cops were on a stakeout and they were supposed to be watching this suspect watching his every move where he goes when he goes who he meets with what he's doing absolutely everything Somehow the guy gets away from the two stakeout cops and has a meeting with someone. They don't see it, they don't notice it, they don't have the listening devices for what was said in that meeting. And they go back to the station house and then they tell their captain like, well, we lost them. We don't know how, but we lost them. And the captain goes nuts. He says, you were on a stakeout. You're supposed to watch this guy's every single move, every place he goes, everyone he talks to, every phone call, every meeting, you need to know how this guy likes his eggs. And that was the punchline. You need to know how this guy likes his eggs. So knowing everything about the prospect, including what's their favorite K cup of coffee, what's their favorite kind of coffee, and so many lazy sellers. Go, well, Jeffrey, I don't know. Jen, how am I supposed to find out what the favorite coffee is? You're supposed to do research for God's sakes. And not just research on the website, research on your network, research what they post on LinkedIn, what they post on Facebook, what their kids' names are, what their kids' hobbies are. All of this is now completely available. It's called social media, people. And if you don't know, it's like if your copy and paste goofball generic spam prospecting is not working, it's because generic goofball spam prospecting doesn't work. It never did. And it never will now, but now I'm just more mad at you because you're a lazy seller. Okay.
0: There's or there's you reading, don't know any better. Yeah, there's a higher factor of that. And I, I've told this story twice before. I got a call. I filled out a form online to get something about financial planning, about how to preserve wealth. And I, I just got the little booklet, and that's all I wanted, but I get a call from a sales guy. And the sales guy says, I'm calling because to follow up to see if I can help you personally, you know, with whatever you're situation is. And I said, did you Google me? And he said, no. And I said, well, then never fucking call me again. And I hung up. How can you possibly make a call without spending 10 seconds on mother Google? Just 10 seconds. Yeah. And it's because they don't, that's how they operate. And the good news is if you're a person that does use mother Google, you're going to beat that guy 100% of the time, not 95%, 100% of the time. So- Whatever you're talking about in, in, the, uh, in the Do It Selling book, if it has anything to do with doing research before you make a phone call, the book is going to win.
2: Big time and so- lots of research, lots of research. Like again, not hours and hours, like 15, 20 minutes. And you will know more. You will know how they like their eggs.
1: So David, when you're thinking about the person who got into their career, because they're really good at a skill, they have this talent and they're like really good at it. And that's why they got into it. And then they open up shop and they're like, oh shit. Now that means I have to sell it, right? What are some of the things besides researching the person that they need to think about in order to make more sales?
2: Well, I think the first thing is reframing, reframing the sales mindset. And again, I have to hand it to Jeffrey because this was, I don't know, 20 plus years ago. It was a blog, it was a video, but it was a fantastic soundbite that you own, you don't need more prospects, you need more friends. Remember that? Right? That's one of the that's one of the Gittimer-isms, one of thousands exactly. that are very much worth repeating that you don't need more prospects, you need more friends. So the way that I talk about this in the Do It Selling book is if you don't like sales, if you're afraid of sales, like reframe it in your mind as an invitation to a conversation. I break down both parts of that. Like, who's afraid of an invitation? Usually invitations are good. When you get an invitation, you go to something, there's puppies, there's bourbon, there's burgers, there's barbecue, there's fun things when you get an invitation. To uh, who's bris, afraid of a conversation? Example,
0: have you ever been invited to a bris? That I have not been
2: invited to. That I probably, probably wouldn't you. be like, yeah, 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 yeah. No,
0: no, no. It's classic. It's one of yeah. the most emotional invitations I ever got.
2: Just be careful what they put on the cold cut platter. It's all I'm exactly. saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so conversation, let's talk about conversation. Who's afraid of a conversation? Not many people are afraid of a conversation. Conversation, you get to meet new people. You get to exchange ideas. Some of these people may even become your new friends or your new best friends. So if we take away this whole concept of, oh, my God, I got to talk to strangers, I got to prospect, I got to go out and generate leads, reframe that as an invitation to a conversation about how you might possibly be able to help them or to serve them. And that's the other thing is that a lot of times independent professionals specifically think of sales as taking it's like you know, taking. It's like, oh, they, they. I, I don't want to impose. I don't want to be pushy. Right. I don't want to, you know, bother them. Well, do you want to give them a gift? Do You want to give them some value? Do you want to add some relevance and some, some helpfulness to their world? My strong, strong belief, and we talk about this in the Do It Selling book a couple of different ways. The sales process it, itself should add value to your prospects, whether they end up buying or not. Let me repeat that. Your sales process should add value to the prospect, whether they end up buying from you or not. So who's afraid of helping or teaching or sharing or enlightening? That's, I think that's to answer Jen's question. That is the first mindset reset that we need to really embrace so that sales doesn't become this horrible thing that we have to avoid or minimize. And it becomes kind of our main number one job as an entrepreneur.
1: So I love that. Number one, invitation to a conversation. Brilliant. And and that the sales process should provide value the whole time. Now, as a follow-up to that, I do have people say to me, but Jen, I don't want to come off salesy. So, what would you say to that?
2: so, so, this is something, uh, and I forget I forget which guru, but there's all you know when we look at our inbox, there's all these other kind of gurus out there that are saying how to do x without being salesy. Like, I'm not even sure what salesy means, but years ago, one of my clients said, I don't want to come across as salesy. And I had heard this like so many times by this point, I kind of lost my cookies. And I said, listen, you got two choices. You can be salesy or you can be brokey.
0: Right, exactly. You want to be salesy
2: or brokey? Because salesy if, if, if you're not doing the word, salesy, then you're going to be doing brokey.
0: Salesy includes the word today. Mm. You go to a car dealership and the guy says, you're looking to lease or buy today. Did you have a... A model in mind today? Have you, have you been elsewhere today? Or, you know, as soon as the word today enters into it, it starts to sound like salesy. And so you have to couch your language to make sure that you're healthy, not salesy. Ooh, I love that. Helpy, healthy,
2: not salesy.
0: Okay, there's I another thing, <laughs> there's another thing, though. How do you practice that? And I'm going to give you an answer that involves me and Jen when we very first started to be together in Charlotte. I'm walking down the aisle in the grocery store in Harris Teeter, and some guy walks by, and I say hey to him, and he says, hey, back. And Jen says, do you know him? I said, no. Well, then why are you talking to him? I talked to everybody. And that started her understanding the South versus the North. Everyone overtly talks to somebody else in a friendly way, and I'll go so far, I'll see somebody with a lot of hair, and I'll say, hey, can can I borrow some? And I'll take my hat off and I've, and they're like smiling, laughing. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. So you can take it as far as you want. As long as you get a positive smiling response, that will help you when you're in that awkward moment in someone's office and you don't really know where to start. Yeah. Do you have a starting point? Do you have guy walks into an office and he has a a service to sell? What, what do you recommend he starts with?
2: Well, again, I love what you said about the, the cup of coffee right? If you go in knowing something about what's going on with your prospect, with your prospect situation, and you show up and the bar is so low. I mean, let's just talk about this for a quick second. The (laughs) bar is so low to show that number one, you've done your homework. Number two, you're an actual human being. Number three, you actually care about them. You're not just there to push or pedal or give the same sales spiel that you've given five times, 10 times already that day, and that you come across their radar as somebody with relevance and value and generosity, right? So even the questions that you ask should be tailored to that particular prospect at that particular moment on that particular day with that particular situation that they may be in, so we talk, talked for example a lot about trigger events. Trigger events and newsjacking as are you connecting with the right prospects at the right time with the right solution for the right reason. Well, because when every prospect jacking? What's yeah so newsjacking let me explain what newsjacking is. Usually newsjacking is for PR, right? So if you want to ride a current trend, like let's say when the show White Lotus was new, right? you would publish a story in the media about, hey, five lessons that uh, most CEOs can learn from White Lotus. And because White Lotus was the au Courant show at that moment, that gets picked up a lot because it's sort of very, very timely. In the sales version of newsjacking, it's looking at your business journal, the business section of your paper, the trade and professional publications in your industry, seeing what's going on, seeing what are the movers and shakers, what are the the crises, the opportunities, the good news, the bad news, the various inflection points that a client might be going through and then showing up and then in your initial contact. Because I want you to think of yourself as a prospect as well, because we're all prospects and we're all sellers. Anytime that you get some incoming sales message, we always ask three questions. Why this? Why me? Why now? Why am I getting this? Why are they? Why am I getting this particular thing? Why are they sending it to me specifically? And why right now? So if a company's in the middle of a merger or an acquisition or something else, and you happen to be a team building expert, and you do 15 minutes of research, and you're saying, hey, it looks like in Kansas City, you're bringing these two groups together for the first time, 300 engineers from company A, 300 engineers from company B, I'm wondering, what do you have planned for the inevitable conflicts, turf wars, ego, politics, and people problems? I have a couple of ideas that might be helpful to you. Would that be worth a short chat? Why me? Why this? Why now? Answered all three questions, your relevance goes from 0% to 80%, and they're much more likely to respond to that outreach than, hi, do you want team building? Hi, do you want team building? Hi, you got any teams over there? So showing yeah, up with so something ten minutes born of from research
0: that ten minutes of research pays major dividends, huge. But, uh, so the question is: Are you willing to invest in the research, or are you just going to stick in your in your bullshit message that doesn't really make sense? I wanted to throw one more thing at you when you're talking about oh doing over this. You're at five prospect meetings a day, and you're talking the same thing. The salesperson has to remember. Even though it's your 1,000th time to say it, it's my first time to hear it, and you have to say it as though it's your first time every time. And you've heard speakers give speeches, and you can tell that they're just rambling on from something that they've said before, and it has no inspiration to them whatsoever. Yes, absolutely.
1: Okay, I love this. Why me, why this, why now? That's that's yeah. really good. And you mentioned briefly the questions. So can we dig into that? like what are some of the the specific questions that a seller can be asking their, I like to call it probable buyer, their potential buyer, probable buyer. What are some of those questions? How do you guide them on that?
2: Oh my goodness. So, so, so much good stuff in there. You know, I think we ask some surface level questions that may kind of get things going or set the context, but the key to really building a a true connection with a prospect is staying in the conversation longer Asking better questions, asking bigger questions, asking deeper questions. So I will give you some examples. If you start out, tell me a little bit about your your situation and the history of kind of what brought you to where you are today. And then I'd love to spend the rest of our conversation talking about where you'd like to go next. The second question I like to ask is, you know, so they set the context because that kind of opens them up and, and prospects love to hear themselves talk. And another another thing that one of my other early sales mentors said to me, a prospect who is listening is not a prospect prospect who's talking is a prospect. So the sooner in this conversation you get them talking, the better. So second question is, do you mind if I treat you like a fee paid client? And a lot of people go, oh, sure, that'd be great. More people will go, what does that mean? I say, well, I'm glad you asked. Here's what it means. It means that I am going to ask for your permission to interrupt. I'm going to ask for your permission to redirect our conversation so that you get maximum value from our time together. And I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear. Are you okay with that? They go, oh my God, that would be great. So I'm already treating the prospect like a client.
0: Diehard. I I don't want you to ever say, I'm glad you asked that because to me, it starts to sound salesy. Mm. So I just want you to go into, here's what that means.
2: Okay, great. And I, I
0: think David, you're on it. You're right on the money with that. Yeah. But you have to couch it in a way where you're actually the king of doing this. Yes. You know exactly what to say. And I don't want car sales guy to creep in there ever.
2: Right. Car right.
0: salespeople are, they smell like a cigarette and coffee. Yes. And they haven't figured that out in a hundred years. Yes. And what happened is the internet came along and a guy walks into a car dealership with a piece of paper of exactly what they want and exactly what they want to pay. And they go to the car sales guy and say, could you please take this to your daddy and see if he's willing to take this deal? And if he isn't, I'm out of here. Yeah, No sales needed whatsoever. And you can say whatever you want about Musk. You can buy a $100,000 Tesla with a buy now button. Yeah. I don't need a car sales guy. I know exactly what I want. There's no arguing about the price. Either you want it or you don't want it. And if you don't want it, fine. And if you do want it, fine. And the guy has sold billions of dollars worth of automobiles using that strategy. Yes. Billions. For sure. So So everyone who comes into the car dealership is ready. They're ready to buy. They're there on a mission to buy and you're either going to not take yes for an answer or piss the guy off to a point where they're going to go someplace else. Yes, totally. Well, even if someone spends time
2: with you, right, initial meeting, initial strategy session, whatever you call it, they're not not willing to talk to you because they're bored. It's not because there's nothing good on Netflix right now right? They have a need, they have a want, they have a problem, they have something that they want to fix or solve. And if if you don't ask the right questions, and if you don't ask deep enough questions, you will totally screw it up. So let's talk about what some of these specific questions might be once you've set yes. up. Yes. That frame. Yeah, so yeah. Ask them what they're going through. Ask them what their team wants. Ask them what their CEO wants. Ask them what some of their top strategic initiatives are. Ask them specifically, what are their urgencies and priorities right now based on this problem? Ask them what they're proud of. Ask them what they're worried about. What if this goes wrong? What if this goes right? Uh, Where do they want to be in 90 days with this situation? Where do they want to be in six months with this situation? Where would they like this to be next year? And then ask how that impacts their numbers. Ask them uh, what those numbers mean specifically to them. Like, does your next raise depend on this? Are you going to get promoted? Will they shut down the Western division if we don't fix this? So what are the radiant consequences of this problem? Radiant consequences are the consequences of the consequences. So what happens? What's the domino effect? That's so um, good. Who, and who yeah, else is this going to impact? That's like,
1: you, you can't just gloss over that. That is so no, this, good. Is this, this is huge. huge. This is, like, this the is a 45-minute call. That's-
0: I need to go back to the beginning diehard what David is saying is instrumental in the strategic move forward in your process, but let's go back to the very beginning when you sit down with that guy for the first time, I don't want you to talk about the weather, Mm -mm. I don't want you to talk about something bullshit that's insincere, if I walk into somebody and I'm wearing my eagle shirt. They have something to talk about. They'll start the conversation rolling with, oh, are you an Eagles fan? I got, no, I just, I got this from some guy running down the street. Yes, I'm an Eagles, but I want to make him smile or her smile. And then I want to get into conversation about what's their team. Yes. Who do they support? You know, what's their process? But I I need to develop personal rapport before I can get to business answers. Yes. True not yes. true?
2: Oh my God, for sure. For sure. Well, and also every, I, I believe that every business problem is a personal problem in disguise. So they they have a very they have a personal reason to fix this or to achieve that yeah. outcome. They have yeah. a uh, ego love base. That, by the way. It could be personal, professional, professional, financial, any of that. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to have a human to human conversation and our real job in this initial discovery is to find the problem behind the problem. It's never the first problem that they talk about. What's the issue behind the issue? What's the fear behind the fear? What's the goal behind the goal? What's the dream behind the dream? The more specific you can nail them down with what they really want, uh, what they want to move away from, what they want to move towards. And then one of my favorite questions is, can you put a number on it? 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 Let's say you're talking to somebody, some executive who says, well, our retention numbers aren't what we would like them to be. A lot of salespeople who want to sound smart, they go, yeah, 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 totally. We know how to fix that problem. It's like, you don't know anything about what that guy just said. When someone says, I want to fix our retention problem, I've got 17 more questions to ask about that. Well, interesting. Where's your retention now? Where would you like it to be? Where has it been historically? Where does your retention stack up with your competitors? What makes you think that your retention is worse than other companies? Uh, What have you tried in the past to fix it? Why hasn't that worked? And again, I got a million of them, but you can't let them get by with these squishy statements and these squishy answers. You have to dig, you have to probe.
0: So I'm gonna give you a specific example. Companies will say that their churn was 2.3% last year. And David's brilliance is gonna say, can you put a number on that? In other words, what's the dollar value of that 2.3%? Because if you can put the dollar value on it, that becomes more hurtful to the person that you're having a conversation with. 2.3% yes. to AT&T might be $7 billion. You know, a billion here, a billion there before you know it, it's money. And so you have to question them deeper in order to be able to get them to reveal truth. They're going to gloss over truth because sometimes it's hurtful. Yes. And what you have to do is to get down to the real world by saying, can you put a number on that? I love that. I'm a proponent of tell me about. When I walk into someone's office or I'm even on a Zoom with them and I can see stuff in the background, I'm going to say, hey, tell me about that award behind you. Oh, yeah, that's my, that develops that immediate rapport that I'm interested in them. The Dale Carnegie thing about you can gain more value by becoming interested in them in two weeks than you're trying to gain people to be interested about you in two years. And so the reality of that sets in, I'm going to ask them about them, not tell them about me until they ask me.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So I have an important question for you. Yeah. On my left, looking at you, you have Do It speaking. On my right, you have Do It marketing. It's probably reversed for you. Where's Do It selling going to go?
2: It's going to have to go over my head. It's going to have to go like right here on the bald spot. It's going to be think. like the
1: crown. <laughs> yeah. It's,
2: yeah. It's, I'm going to have to rearrange the bookshelf for
0: sure. I see Obviously. that. I see that. No, yeah. I think, Jen, I think that there's a spot underneath Do It Speaking to the lower my left.
1: <laughs> oh, there's yeah. A,
0: but diagonally. I don't want it to replace my books on the right. I want it to replace those <laughs> other shitty books on the but left. Maybe that's so the
1: sales section over there.
0: There you go. Yeah. Could be there. You go. But I think that okay. <laughs> the I think that the challenge is David is smart enough to put his message subliminally behind him and not block it in any way. Yeah. And my messages behind me are nowhere near the value of David's. Like I have. Well, my subtle one is the picture of Mariano Rivera. It says to Jeffrey from one closer to another. Nice frickin' boom on that one. <laughs> and the one on the other side is. Uh, one chicken is in the hospital bandaged up and the other chicken who's the guest is saying exactly why did you cross the road? And I try to put humor behind me or something matter of fact that allows me to talk about anything they want to talk about. This is my Nick Foles autographed game used football from the last time the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I can't wait to get my Jalen Hurts one. Can't wait (laughs) for that one.
1: Okay, so we got to thank you for being here. You have dropped knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb and so many new terms that- I'm going to dissect and think about, and I love them. I think Die Hard, you should listen to this more than once because David shared so much amazing information that is easy to miss when you just hear it the first time. And when you go back and listen to it a second time, you'll really be able to process it and then put it into action. So where should people find you? How should they get a copy of your book? What's, What's next?
2: thank you for asking. Best place to go, doitselling.com. And uh, that's going to give you the links to buy the book at your favorite online bookseller, Kindle, Audible, whatever you want to do, and get all the book bonuses, the companion downloads, tools, trainings. So doitselling.com, that's the place to go. And uh, there's all kinds of other stuff on the website, blog, podcast, yada, yada, yada. But everything Do It Selling related is DoItSelling.com.
0: That's cool that you could get that URL uh, so at, this day, at this time. How long have you had that Do It Selling? Maybe about a year. I mean, it's
2: funny. When I started writing the book, I didn't have the domain. And I was like, I hope it's available. So Do It Marketing, <laughs> I have, you know, for 15 plus years, a federally registered trademark, all that jazz but I was like, I can't believe I never got Do It Selling. So I, I was able to get DoItSpeaking.com for the Do It Speaking book. And luckily, Do It Selling was available.
1: That's amazing. That's great.
0: I, I, so you know what? That's that's like a God wink. When something like that happens, yeah. it tells you that there's some reason for that happening. And I'm really, I'm happy you got it. You deserve Thank it. You. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Thank you. All right,
1: cool. We'll put that link in the show notes. Die Hard, make sure you go there. David, thank you for joining us today. Amazing. Thank you both. This was tremendous fun. We got to do it again. Until next time, I'm Jen Gittimer.
0: I'm Jeffrey Gittimer. I'm David Newman. And there we go. And we'll see you next time. Please check in again soon and go out and make sales, even if your ass falls off.
1: Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to like, share. Yeah, share with both your friends. And subscribe to the podcast. And remember, we
0: have a free 22-day sales challenge. Just go to gudemer.com slash sales challenge to start you on your way.